My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the co-founder and president of the Business of Cannabis. This is BFC Live for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. We are in solidarity with those that seek justice and reform. People of color have been mistreated and justice carried out unequally or not at all for far too long. True on the cannabis front and true in larger society overall, black lives matter. We encourage you to read Von Mala Submarinium's piece, Before You Declare Canada is Not a Racist Country, Do Your Homework. It is in the National Post. Uh, those of us in the cannabis realm know Von Mala very well. Uh, I encourage you to read her incredibly thoughtful piece in the National Post. BFC Live is a video and podcast production of the business of cannabis since 2017 through our web, social, video, and podcast channels, as well as real-world and virtual events. We've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. We encourage you to explore all that we do at businessofcannabis.ca. In a moment, an upcoming conversation with Liz Tahura of BDSA, our official insights partner of Business of Cannabis, for her weekly insights conversation. Uh, today, she's going to be doing a really deep dive into BC consumers, cannabis consumers. But first, on Monday, we announced an ongoing partnership with CanDelta, a cannabis regulatory and science advisory firm. They've become our official regulatory advisory of Business of Cannabis. Every week, we encourage you, our audience, to post questions to the CanDelta team through our Ask the Experts component of BFC Live. And every Monday, we'll get one question answered by the CanDelta team. Our sister publication, Report on Psychedelics, has two new podcasts out this week, uh, the weekly briefing to get you up to date on all things psychedelics, and a conversation with Dylan Bynan, uh, the CEO of Mindbloom. Also, last week, they held a webinar with Dr. Sravinas Rao, uh, where he explained the complicated journey a drug must take to get to market, and he participated in a great Q&A as well. As always, thank you to the Neo Exchange for their support of Report on Psychedelics. Tomorrow on BFC Live, a conversation with Shiny Bud, a retailer in Toronto with one shop, but a growing footprint throughout the GTA. As always, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you to our partners, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, and BDSA for their ongoing support of Business of Cannabis. Now, this conversation with Liz Tahura, co-founder and president of BDSA, the official insights partner of Business of Cannabis. Have a good day. Liz Tahura, nice to see you again this week. Nice to see you too, Jay. Um, so uh, what are we sharing this week during our sort of insights on Wednesday from BDSA? Yes, Wednesday insights, our little insight bites. Uh, we are going to take a look and shine a little spotlight on BC today. I love shining a spotlight on BC. Yes, you and me both. <laughs> so so, what, so what, what, what kind of spotlight are we shining and what are we gonna learn from you today? Yeah, we're just going to take a quick look into um, what's going on in BC in terms of consumer demographics and some consumer trends and market size um, and talk a little bit about what we see for the future for the rest of 2020 and beyond. Great, because it seems to be, at least when we've been out there talking to retailers, a, a tough-ish nut to crack because some very educated consumers out there that, that know their stuff. Yeah, definitely see a, and we'll dive into the consumer demographics here in a little bit on a, on a very high level, uh, yeah. but definitely see a few differences between the BC consumer and the general Canadian consumer. 
Um, and frankly, when we think about comparing uh, consumer demographics and consumer markets to, to states in the U.S., and we've talked about this before, of course, uh, we see a lot of similarities between the California consumer and the BC consumer. Uh, highly educated, um, a lot of cannabis connoisseurs in that group, um, and a lot of exposure to cannabis through the legacy market in both, in both markets. Um, and, and some long-standing sort of habits and, um, and interests that go along with that. Yeah. So tell us, what do we know? All right. Yeah. Well, just kind of jumping in, um, starting by setting the stage and everybody who has uh, seen our or followed our BDSA web, webcast has probably seen this slide before, but just as a, as a real quick reminder that the uh, overall Canadian market sales Forecasted to about 2.8 billion in 2020, forecasted to hit 6.4 billion by 2025. So a lot of growth and a lot of opportunity for the market as a whole. Um, quick note there, uh, we have not yet adjusted our forecast post COVID as it's still too soon to really understand the long-term uh, impacts. Uh, but though so far, uh, if we can take March and April for context, um, you know, we are, we are still relatively stable in our forecast and not expecting to, to adjust those 2020 markets um, significantly. But again, the data will speak, um, and by late summer, we'll be able to, to have a better handle on what that end of year forecast is going to look like. When we're talking about BC specifically, uh, BC sales are forecasted to hit um, almost 300 million in the legal market in 2020. Um, and the really great news is we have those forecasted to hit nearly a billion, 945 million by 2025. Uh, so again, significant growth. Uh, that's going to be uh, somewhere around 15% of the total Canadian market by 2025. Um, an important to call out here that the legacy um, or illicit market still does play a very big role in BC sales as we were um, just chatting about earlier. Uh, in 2019, about 75% of total cannabis spend in BC uh, came from the illicit or the legacy market. Um, and that's very similar to California in 2019. It was about 75% California as well. Incidentally, as we draw comparisons between BC and California, uh, interesting to note that California was actually the only state in the US thus far to lose sales when moving from a medical market to a adult use or a rec market. And uh, regulations and some challenges played a big role, but the illicit market also played a role, very firmly entrenched illicit market. And um, as you mentioned earlier, Jay, changing those uh, consumer behaviors and uh, convincing consumers that there is a need to move from the legacy market into the legal market um, is, uh, is and was a challenge for California. We expect to see similar trends for BC. Um, interestingly enough, the vape crisis in the end of 2019 uh, did help uh, the, the illicit versus legal conversation as consumers' eyes were opened a bit to the importance of testing and consistency and regulation, uh, but still a bit of a hill to climb um, in terms of uh, changing not just the consumers from illicit or legacy market into the legal market, but providing a good pathway for the businesses as well, of course. Um, and both California and BC have a vested interest in allowing those businesses and, and providing a pathway for those businesses out of the legacy market and into the fully legal market. So switching gears a little bit and talking about, uh, you know, how big is that consumer, uh, that consumer pie in BC? 
So as of Q3 in 2019, about 38% of the, of the legally, uh, legally aged population in BC was classified as a cannabis consumer. And just a quick note on that, uh, we classify cannabis consumers as those who have consumed at least once in the past six months. Uh, that is by, or by design a wider definition than other metrics that you might see out there. Uh, the reason that we do that is we do want to capture the infrequent consumers as well as your core consumers. Uh, and incidentally, you're able to dig deeper into those differences between the frequent and infrequent consumers within the BDSA Consumer Insights platform, really understand what's motivating uh, both of those consumer groups as well as, of course, many, many others. Um, also worth pointing out that along with consumers, we do track and pay attention to the non-consumers. And in BC, uh, the acceptor rate, so those are the folks who aren't consuming today but open to consuming in the future, uh, sits at about 30%. Um, which is a bit higher um, than some of the other provinces that we see. So um, a few other folks sitting on the sidelines ready to or are almost ready uh, to jump in and start consuming or uh, restart as it may be uh, for those who have lapsed out of consumption. There is still about a third of the population in BC that are classified as rejectors. Those are the folks that say, uh, no thanks cannabis, not for me. Uh, of course, the really interesting thing is to pay attention to those trends over time and see how those groups are shifting as cannabis becomes more mainstream. And we can see a little bit of that uh, by comparing to the Colorado segments. Uh, so in Colorado, of course, a state in the US that has six full years of legalization under its belt. Um, in Co Colorado, we see about 42% of the uh, adult 21 plus population in, um, in Colorado are classified as consumers. Acceptor rate is a little lower at 28%, uh, but so too is the rejector rate, a little bit lower at 30%. And what's really interesting here is to see how that's trending over time. Uh, so if you look at BC in particular, you can see that uh, it's been about a 10 point growth in the cannabis consumption rate over the course of about a year. Um, and that 10 point growth is much faster than the acceptance and adoption rate that we've seen in early recreational states such as Colorado that we just looked at. Uh, so for a bit of context, it took Colorado three years to grow its consumption rate to, from 25% to 40%. Um, and that makes sense as we're seeing globally an increase in the rate of acceptance and adoption for cannabis um, and, a, and a little bit of a uh, cumulative effect happening there. When we compare BC to the other major provinces and we see the percent of adult population consuming marijuana or cannabis is, is relatively similar um, across the four provinces. One important call out here, just like we were talking about early, our consumer research and the consumption rates uh, do measure all types of consumption, regardless of point of purchase. Uh, so that means both the legal and the illicit markets. When we're looking at those total sales of the legal market earlier, Keep in mind that this percentage of adults consuming may or may not be contributing to that uh, legal market total sales, or they may be contributing sometimes, uh, but not all the time. So what does the average Canadian cannabis consumer look like? Uh, what we're looking at here on the slide is actually the averages for Canada as a whole. Um, and you can see skews a little bit more male, 54 to 46%, little over half work full time, does skew younger um, and does skew towards towards city dwelling about 80 percent living in the city or the suburbs across the country as a whole 
Um, BC consumer is a little bit different in a couple really important and very interesting ways. So uh, the first call out is that a higher percentage of women are females are consuming in BC. So it's about 48% female in BC. They're also slightly more likely to work full time and to live in a city. And uh, also the population skews just a little bit older, the cannabis consuming population in BC. It's about 54% that are under 45 as opposed to 59%. So of course these are averages. Um, in fact, there are many, many different types and segments of cannabis consumers, whether we're looking at Canada as a whole or BC in particular. Um, and BDSA is about to release uh, later in June, our first ever consumer segmentation, which is gonna dive deep into uh, both consumer and non-consumer segments to help better understand the distinct groups and their need states, motivations, behaviors, uh, both in general, but also around cannabis specifically. Uh, so really excited to shine even more of a spotlight on the unique consumers um, and what their needs are. When we take a look at what these consumers are, are consuming, uh, as far as preferences are concerned, and again, this is actually not looking at retail sales. Uh, this is talking to consumers themselves and measuring their consumption across all points of distribution. Um, so this does include both legacy and legal market. This includes online sales, this includes retail point of purchase, um, and this includes products that the consumer may not have purchased themselves as well. So a really holistic and well-rounded view of what consumers are, are gravitating towards overall. So flower is king, uh, as one would expect, um, especially in Canada where flower is, um, is still, or at the time of this, uh, this last fielding of research in the end of 2019, uh, flour was still the majority of the products available legally in the legal market. Um, I think it's really interesting to take a look at these pre-2020 baseline um, as we get ready to move into uh, Q2 or to the end of Q2 of 2020 where Cannabis 2.0 has really kicked in. And this helps us to understand uh, what were the baseline preferences of consumers before the cannabis 2.0 products were really readily available uh, within the legal market? We're going to be releasing our Q1 2020 race research in just a couple weeks. Uh, so being able to do a comparison on pre and post is going to be absolutely fascinating. And we're very excited uh, to bring that forward and track those changes uh, in behavior as the legal product access increases. Uh, one call out here, so we are looking at Canada as a whole, so 61% of Canadians prefer uh, to inhale their cannabis, whereas 26%, even pre-cannabis 2.0, preferred to consume their cannabis uh, in edible or ingestible format. Uh, just like with the demographics, BC does differ slightly from the national average, so in BC, uh, consumers are slightly more likely to prefer edibles, so about 30% prefer edibles, um, with baked goods, gummies, and chocolates being those most popular formats for the BC customer. We can also further segment out the BC customer and think about the medium to high income versus the average consumer. And when you break into the medium to high income, a couple interesting things. One, the female, uh, the female segment drops just a bit to 42%, as opposed to that 48% overall. Uh, but both male and females are very highly likely to have consumed edibles in the past six months. And keep in mind, this is pre-cannabis uh, pre 2.0. So this is 
uh, obtaining their edible cannabis in, um, in other forms and formats and, and retail um, and or other distribution points. About 68% of men and about 68% of women. Um, and within the medium to high income, the females are more likely to prefer uh, gummies and or uh, chocolates as their primary or uh, preferred form of ingestibles. Finally, just taking a quick look at the total consumer insight spend, or excuse me, the, the total consumer spend on a monthly basis. So the, the average monthly spend for VC consumers uh, across all demographics is about $113. Uh, when you isolate into those higher income consumers, uh, that jumps to about $180 on a monthly spend basis. Um, so, you know, thinking about how to attract those more, uh, those more high-end consumers into shops, if, that, if that's going to be your strategy. Uh, one thing that certainly stands out to us is to make sure that we're carrying the, the products that those consumers want to purchase. And um, gummies have clearly been indicated as a, as a preferred consumption method uh, from the, the BC cannabis consumer. Um, and just as a point of comparison, you know, we look at, again, thinking about Colorado, a very established market where... Six years in, we started to see both product availability and some of those consumer trends stabilizing. Um, gummies comprise 56% of all ingestible sales in Colorado dispensaries. Uh, so very, very significant portion of sales uh, within an established market. Um, and again, with our crystal ball looking forward, uh, we, we do expect that to be a very important ingestible category for the VC market as well. Uh, lots of other ways to dig in and dive into those consumer demographics and, and those who are clients of ours, of course, are able to get in and understand um, not just the averages, but again, those consumer segments um, and, and diving deep into the different types of consumers and, and better understanding what's motivating them, uh, their needs, states, attitudes, beliefs, behaviors. Uh, so more to come, uh, but hope you enjoy just a little bit of a snapshot into the BC consumer and the BC state of the market. Um, so far in 2020. It's fascinating. <laughs> Honestly, I'm taking note, both mental and real notes, because it is fascinating. And it's, it's everything you described, obviously, is what companies ought to be thinking about as they market their products, but even before that, as they produce products that people might want. I mean, and as retailers sort of set out their stores. I mean, all of those things are, are in an ideal world, you would know all those things before you built the products, tried to sell the products, market the products. Yeah, it's just chicken or the egg. Um, but it is also interesting, and, and we'll see it sort of as more data comes out about 2.0, that you know, if this high, higher, income, uh, higher income consumer is buying more gummies, and the amount of gummies you can buy per unit in Canada is frankly small for those consumers that do a lot, that's a big sort of public affairs sort of data point that we ought to also be considering. Oh, interesting, was, yeah. yeah. Because I, I just think all of it is is um, amazing, and we are so lucky to have you guys as partners because we get oh, to hear this stuff you. every week. Um, and, and Liz, I really appreciate your time today, your time every week, your partnership from BDSA as our official insights partner of Business of Cannabis, and we will see you next week. Absolutely, looking forward to it.